Welcome back to our podcast series entitled Friend of the Father, where together we open up God's Word and seek to develop a deeper and more meaningful relationship with Him. If you'd like any more information about who we are and our times of worship, please visit traderspointchurch.org. With that said, please grab your Bibles and join along in our study today. Thank you once again for joining us, the Friend of the Father podcast. With um, uh, My name is Jeremy. We're here with John, and we are continuing our study uh, through uh, really thinking about our relationship with God, what it's all about, the importance of it, and uh, we've covered lots of different things. We're now in episode number 15. We are certainly excited that you've chosen to study along with us and listen in, and we, we would recommend and encourage you to, to even go back if you haven't and listen uh, to the past episodes. It will really help you kind of pull together all that we've uh, talked about. We've covered uh, lots of different things on our relationship with God, and we have just a couple of episodes left, and we've been kind of spending some time in just analyzing and taking a look at now very specific biblical examples of characters that we can we can look at and we can learn from that had good uh, valued productive relationships with God. Last week we spent time talking about Moses and in this episode we'll spend our time in talking about David. Now David is somebody we've already talked kind of a lot about. He certainly has mm-hmm. popped up several times throughout our study. And we've got a couple of kind of specific instances of the life of David that I think really kind of showcase his relationship with God. And uh, the reason I like these two particular moments, one of them uh, certainly not a a glowing endorsement of a time in David's life, but Mm -hmm. they seem very real. They're very relatable in a lot of ways. And, And I think it gives us good insight that someone as real as David and even as relatable as David. I think Moses is very similar to that, yeah. very real, yeah. very relatable mm-hmm. in, in how he reacts to certain things and how he handled himself. And I think a lot of ways David is the same way. And so there's a lot to be learned by taking a look at David, who may go through things in very similar kinds of ways that we go through things, and then ultimately how he handled his relationship with God. I guess we'll start kind of big picture, and maybe where we've spent the most time in talking about David is we've often made reference to, you know, David and him allowing his emotions to showcase, yeah. to, to be showed to God. He's not hiding those things from God. He, he really acknowledges that God is apt to see deep inside of his heart anyways, and so he's now willing to share that even verbally, and that's a big part of what the Psalms are all about. But I think just kind of big picture as we start, I think that's kind of a good place to kind of springboard off of is is just his willingness to be so incredibly open mm-hmm. with God. Moses, it's, it's honesty, I think, in a lot of ways. He just is talking to God about whatever is on his mind, but with David, it really seems to be his his emotions that yeah. really opening up his heart to God. Yeah, I think, you know, when you look at the Psalms in particular, I think a word that we've used several times in talking about this is vulnerability, and and David is one who is constantly vulnerable before God, and, and that, that really gives us an insight into just how deep of a relationship they had because I think we can all relate to this in the relationships that we have today. We're not going to open up and bear our souls to just anybody. We only do that to those that we're closest to. And yet that's what we see David doing with God numerous times throughout the Psalms in the highest points of his life and the lowest points of his life. 
He is just bearing it all before God. And it's raw and it's extremely emotional and it's extremely vulnerable. And that just tells us how close they were uh, in order for David to feel comfortable talking like that before God and talking with God about the things that he does. I mean, there's there's things, no matter who you're who who you may be talking with, I mean, they're just things you're gonna be uncomfortable sharing with that person. But that seems to not be the case with David when it comes to his relationship with God. As you pointed out, he recognizes that God is going to know what's in his heart regardless. And he's he has so uh he has so come to terms with that that he is comfortable then just sharing it all. It's all out on the table with between David and God. And you look at David's life, and as you pointed out, there are times in his life where you can see he is determined to serve God and do what God wants him to do and be the man that God wants him to be. And there are times in his life where he makes some really big and bad mistakes with long-term consequences. But you see him talking to God in every one of those circumstances. And that just shows us, I think it sets a good example for us, in the highest points of our lives, in the lowest points of our lives, when we're doing great, when we're doing terrible, if we want to have the type of relationship with God that we've been talking about over the past several months, we have to be willing to be vulnerable with Him and share it all, no matter the circumstances. Well, let's go ahead and talk about really what is one of those low points that you made mention of. Um, you know, David is really an interesting, you know, character. Is and a lot of Bible characters are this way, where we get the full picture that you know they're human, they're just like we are. They have weaknesses and they have struggles and they have moments in their lives where they fall short of what God would expect from them. But one of the the powerful things that we've seen both from Moses, even though we didn't spend a lot of time on the mistakes that Moses would uh, would make, but we see that certainly from Moses and from David. It's how they responded yeah. to those mistakes, yeah. right? It's how they responded. And their relationship with God, what it was, had a big impact, I think, on how they respond. And so, you know, as the story goes, we won't dive too deep into the story itself, but in Second Samuel chapter 11, we, we have the uh, the story there of, of David and Bathsheba, and he, and he, 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 he gets into a kind of a train of sin in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. One leads to the next, leads to the next, leads to the next. He's up on the roof. He sees Bathsheba bathing. Uh, he should have uh, turned away. He doesn't. He lusts. He has that desire. He calls for her. He didn't need to do that, but he does. Um, they uh, they commit adultery. He didn't need to do that, but certainly he does. He then tries to lie, and he tries to cover it up, causes uh, her husband home to try to, uh, you know, kind of cover that up, and that doesn't work out real well, and he tries to cover that up even more with murder, essentially. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he goes through all of this, and, and that kind of happens all there in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, and now you get into chapter 12, and you have that famous story there with Nathan coming to him and, and telling him the story that, you know, puts him at the center of it, even though David doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he gets to the, you know, the punchline, and he tells David, this, this is how you've acted. This is what yeah. you have done. And David is affected by that. But what's really that stands out to me is how he responds in his relationship to God. So, for instance, 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13, that after uh, Nathan has confronted David about his sin, he says there in verse 13 that David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. 
And so his mindset, listen, he, he's caused problems for Bathsheba. He's certainly yeah. caused problems for Uriah, killed him. Mm-hmm. But now his focus is, this: I have sinned against God. And he, he's bothered by that. He's hurt by that. We'll talk about it more here in just a second. But in Psalm 51 is an insight into, into this moment, we're told, yep. the very beginning of that psalm, why it was written that gives us a little clearer insight of his thought process. But it is his focus here, even in this moment of weakness and sin, that he's still focused on God and his relationship with him. Yeah, you, you know, you mentioned Psalm 51, and I think there's at least four different psalms that can be attributed to David that were written during this time period of his life which, as you mentioned, is probably the lowest point in his life as he not only has to come to terms with the sin that he committed against God, but also the ramifications of that. He now has to live with the weight of murder on him and the consequences of that and the child that is is, is coming from this situation and the death of that child and you know all these things that David is going to have to live with. This is a heavy, heavy time for him emotionally, and again, we see how he responds to all of these things when it's all called to his attention. And the way that he responds is in a very humble, very emotional, and a very contrite manner. And that's exactly what God wants to see from us. But I think the important thing to remember with this as we look at really how David relates to God is that type of response is only going to come in those moments when there is already a relationship with God that has been established because David feels what he has done to that relationship. He he knows and he's going to have to live with the reality of what he's done to Bathsheba and Uriah and to the child that was born of this. He's going to have to live with that. But but what he also recognizes as Nathan tells him the story and he really comes to terms with what he's done is not only has he hurt so many people, but he's also damaged his relationship with God. And that, when we go and then read the Psalms that are attributed to David during this time point of his life, it really shows us just how impactful that was to David. He recognizes how damaging that is, and he knows that if he wants to to continue to move forward in his life, he has to repair that relationship. There's only so much he can do with the physical consequences of sin, but he recognizes that that God is what has gotten him here to this point. And we may talk about it here in a moment, but in 2 Samuel chapter 7, just a few chapters prior to this, as uh, the the story is being told there of of God having this covenant that he is making with David, God tells David that I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, and I've been with you wherever you've gone. And, and that's the relationship that, that God and David had, and David recognizes that he damaged that relationship. And the weight of that is weighing on him so heavily, and I think that's what leads him to write such emotional psalms that we see coming from this. Yeah, we've made mention of Psalm 51, and I think there are a couple of verses there in that that chapter that really showcase this idea, right? It showcases this idea of him really concerned about his relationship to God and how he has damaged that. 
And so you, in Psalm 51, you know, this is a psalm written specifically about this time. Really, the, the title of this psalm at the very outset, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. And so it's at that exact same time in two passages, one verse four. Against you, he's talking to God, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And so his focus is on God. His focus is on what sin has done. And then when he's talking to God in verse 10, which we talk a lot about, right? Create in me a clean heart, O God, Mm -hmm. renew a steadfast spirit within me. But it is verse 11 where he is really talking about his relationship with God where he says, do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Yeah. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And so you, you have him understanding that because of this devastating sin that I have mm-hmm. uh, committed, it has caused a rift in yeah. between me and you. And David's not interested in that. And so he acknowledges that sin. He lays that sin before God. And he begs of God, let's renew our relationship. Do not leave from my presence. Don't don't take the your Holy Spirit away from me. Mm-hmm. And it is that understanding of what sin does yeah. that we read about in passages like Isaiah, right, that tells us that it is our sin, our iniquities that separate us from God. It is that level of understanding and then now his value on that relationship that stand out. And for us, it's got to be the same way. Not just our understanding of sin and our acknowledgement of that, but our understanding of what that does. And if we have a high value on our relationship with God, that's what we've talked about Mm -hmm. over the past 15 weeks, right? Right. And we have that high value on our relationship, man, sin is going to be devastating. Mm -hmm. It's going to be devastating because now that relationship with God is severed in some way. Now, what can I do in order to restore that relationship? I've got to get rid of that sin. I've got to acknowledge, confess that sin, repent of that sin. And now that relationship that I had with God can be restored. And we see that with Moses, most certainly. And we see that with David. And that same exact thing can play out in our lives. Yeah, and I think verse 11 in Psalm 51 is so impactful because David has witnessed firsthand God doing exactly what he's asking God not to do to him with Saul. And if you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 16, when, when God is anointing David to be the next king, we're told that God took his spirit away from Saul and he gave it to David. That's the picture that's painted for us there in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Because Saul had turned his back on God. He was no longer going to serve God the way that, that God wanted him to. And so as a, as a consequence of that, God took his spirit from him and he gave it to David. And so David has seen what happens when somebody turns their back on God. And he wants to make sure that God understands, God, I am not, I'm not turning my back on you. I have sinned. I acknowledge that. But, but please do not take your spirit from me. And the the beauty of this is that you know almost in in an essence God recognizing uh, how how impactful that could be He told David in Second Samuel chapter seven again, in verse number fifteen, that His mercy wouldn't depart from David's family the way that it had from Saul, and that's prior to this sin happening with Bathsheba. And so you can see how David has witnessed before. God's spirit being taken away from someone who turned their back on him. God reassuring David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 that his mercy will not depart from him and his family like it did from Saul. 
And then you see in Psalm 51, after the sin with Bathsheba has occurred, David imploring God, please don't take your spirit from me. And so David recognizes just how necessary that relationship is. He does not want God to leave him. He, he knows that he needs him. He's the only reason that David is where he is is because of this relationship with God. And so in, in this deep and dark time of David's life, he's imploring God, please don't turn your back on me. And of course, we know that God didn't. God is going to keep his promises that he made to David. And, and yet we see the, the, the emotion of the potential of losing that bond really weighing on David as he writes these psalms. Yeah, and you start to really understand, especially as you work through the book of Psalms, and certainly David's life through you know the writings of, of Samuel, but you, you, get a, you get a picture of how heavy he leans upon his relationship with God, yeah. right? I mean, you, you get that you get that picture because he, he is so vulnerable. He is so open mm-hmm. in the way that he writes. And so, I mean, we, don't, we certainly don't have the time here to cover all of these instances. But, you know, just in general, I mean, think of the, the amount of times in his life or the percentage of his life that he was literally running from his enemies, whether yeah. that be Saul, whether that be other nations, whether that be his own son yeah. with Absalom. I mean, he was running. He was what you would think would be full of fear, right? Yeah. But he writes in the book of Psalms that because of his relationship with God, he's able to push aside that fear. There's nothing to be fearful of. There's nothing to be afraid of. And from our perspective or the world's perspective, you would think there's lots to be afraid of. Yeah. But it is because of his relationship with God that gives him that courage, that gives him, you know, that feeling of safety. It Mm -hmm. it is David that uses words like fortress and shield and rock. And you start to see how important this relationship is to David when he starts to use words like that. And you start to analyze his life, certainly that early part of his life when he was on the run as much as he was. Yeah, I, I love there in Second Samuel 7, as, as David's responding to this covenant that God is making with him, he uses the phrase, or we're told, that he set before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? There is this humility that just uh, shows how sincerely David recognizes who God is. And, and he's done that from very early on in his life. Even though he is a great man, a powerful man, a king, he, he has everything a human being could ever want or desire. But when he sits before God, he recognizes his place in that relationship. And, and that is something that, you know, when we, we talk about David, oftentimes we'll reference the fact that he was a man after God's own heart. Right. That's, that's the type of man that God was searching for when he was looking for the next king, and he found it in David. And, and a man after God's own heart, one of, the, one of the qualities or the characteristics of someone like that is humility. And we see that in David, even though he was bold and he was courageous and he was confident, he was humble before God. And that even it even furthers our understanding of, of what it means to truly have a relationship with God where I recognize who I am before him. Yes, we, we, we can have a relationship that is built on love and compassion, but when I sit before God, he is God and I am not. And I recognize my place before him. And David is a great example of someone who is able to do that. And I think when we see that we've talked already about the vulnerability and the emotion that we see in the Psalms, 
Those are all made possible because of the humility that he has. He recognizes that in his worst moments, he needs God. He can't get through this without him. And when he's running from Saul and he's unsure about what the future may hold, he needs God. God's the one who's going to direct him and preserve him and take him where he needs to go. And there's this constant in David's life, whether as a young man uh, running from Saul as king in the high points and the low points, there's a constant in David's life that whenever he goes before God, he does so humbly. And that's a great lesson to me as, you know, I mean, all this is about trying to build a stronger relationship between us and God. Humility has to be one of the cornerstones of that relationship because that allows me to sit before him and understand who he is. And that gives me the proper perspective when I approach God. Yeah, and it is his perspective that really drives him in, in so many things. You made mention of Second Samuel chapter 7. We'll spend just a couple of minutes there. Just in the general context, you made mention of kind of that conversation that follows an event Mm -hmm. that really becomes pretty important. I think showcases kind of David's thought process in reference to God. It certainly showcases his humility, his understanding of his place versus God's place. It, in a lot of ways, stands in contrast to, you know, when we see the people returning back to Jerusalem long after this in, in, in books like Ezra. When, you know, they're coming back and the temple of God is in ruins, but their homes are, yeah, you know, in really good exactly. shape, and they're not they're not bothered by that. Well, you take the opposite of that, and that's Second Samuel mm-hmm. chapter 7, right? The very outset of that, David, in his own perspective, is living in a very comfortable place, but he looks out yeah. and he sees that God, God is dwelling in, in the tent, the tabernacle that has been made. And even though that was built and put together exactly the way that God mm-hmm. had instructed it to mm-hmm. be, David was bothered by that. He was bothered by that because of his understanding of who God is yeah. and, and and his understanding that God deserves the best of everything, even the place in which he would dwell. And so, you know, he has the idea of building the temple, and he brings that idea before God. But, you know, it's interesting in, in God's answer from that, that David isn't going to be the one to build that mm-hmm. temple for him, that it would ultimately be his son Solomon. But it's really interesting on how David reacts to that. Yep. Because I think when you read and understand who David is, and you read Second Samuel chapter 7, and then you see even all of the preparation that David was willing to do and did, yeah. this was really, really important to him. This wasn't just, hey, I was just kind of in a brainstorming session, and maybe you know we've thrown this, see if this sticks. You know, yeah. No, this was really, really important to David. And God says, no, you can't do it. And it's he doesn't pout, he doesn't beg, you know, God to to you know reconsider or anything like that. He he accepts that. He accepts mm-hmm. it as God's will. He accepts it as what God has said. And then you you get to the end of that chapter, Second Samuel, Samuel chapter seven, and it is David focusing on God's praise. Right? It is yeah. His will, and it is praise. Verse twenty two specifically of chapter seven. Therefore, you are great. O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And he, he talks about this incredible God. Verse 24, you have made your people Israel, your very own people forever, and you have become their God. And he 
verse 25, Lord, the, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. And it is his understanding of God's word, his will, his acceptance of that, mm-hmm. even in something that was really, really important to him. Yeah. But it's just an incredible picture of, I think, David and his perspective. That was a great word. His perspective of God and his relationship with him. Yeah, this is a really fascinating story for for a lot of reasons. Because one, like you said, we have to we have to think there would be some disappointment on David's part because he certainly wanted to do this. But then there's also reassurance that we get from God as he he tells David. Listen, I, I'm going to preserve your lineage. I'm going to establish you long after you're gone. And, and of course, you know, fast forward, and, and we know that, that Christ is going to come through the lineage of David. And God, God was true to his word. He preserved David's lineage all the way through Christ. And so even in a moment where God understands that there is probably going to be some disappointment on the part of David, he, he knows that and he reassures him in that in that moment and i think that again is a great picture of what a, a true relationship and friendship is like if i have to deliver some disappointing news to someone i also want to make sure that i can reassure them that everything's going to be okay and try and help them in any way that i can and we see god doing that for david yeah. he, he understands that this is disappointing but david i want you to to be able to see the big picture here I'm going to preserve your lineage, and I'm going to establish you long after you're gone. And so there is some comfort that's provided in this. And I think that helps David then follow this up with the words of praise that you referenced, because he's hearing all of these things from God, and he's able to to set the disappointment aside, perhaps, and recognize that God's plan has always been better than his plan, and it always will be better. And, And so he is able to praise God in that moment. And I think, you know, I hope that I try and do the same thing in my life. Uh, I may pray about something, and sometimes the answer isn't what I wanted it to be. Right. And, and in that moment, am I able to take a step back and praise God that he is in control, that he is He is the one who, who can see me through this, and I give him the glory and honor that he deserves? That That is what I should be trying to do in my life. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, we can kind of close it out with with this idea. We've got just a couple of episodes left, and we'll be spending some time with another character next week, and we're going to go to the pages of the New Testament. And, you know, the point will be be true next week as well in comparison to this episode and the one that came before is these incredible relationships that whether it be Moses or whether it be David that they had with God— it's that relationship that, that we can have. That's what this whole study has been about, that this kind of relationship is not just that it's something that we can to have. It's what we have to have. Yeah, it's right. where we have to be, this level of understanding and incredible blessings, as we see in the life of David and in the life of Moses, that can come from an incredible relationship with God. So we appreciate everybody for studying along with us. Like we just said, we just have a couple of other episodes left. We appreciate everyone who has studied with us up to this point. We look forward to studying along with you again next week.